in Ephesians again, Ephesians chapter number one. And uh, we've been looking at uh, who we are, who we are in Christ and uh, our identity in Christ and what all that means for us as, uh, as believers. And uh, if you know the Lord, uh, God's word is clearly, clearly laid out for us of, of who we are in Christ. I mean, it, it lays it out line upon line, precept upon precept. And especially here in Ephesians, it's almost as if Paul, when he's writing, he is just giving us truth after truth after truth after truth after truth. He's just, he's just mounting up truth just continually saying, this is who you are in Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, as we looked at uh, last week about these spiritual blessings that we've been blessed with, we've been blessed by God with every spiritual blessing. The spiritual blessings. So many times we're, we're uh, concerned about the physical things, but we really don't place our minds and our hearts upon the spiritual things that God has blessed us with. And today we're going to look at one of those other spiritual blessings, and it's the fact that we are redeemed in Christ, that we're redeemed in Christ. You know, that word redemption is a really a very, very vital part of the core of Christianity, of who we are in Christ, that we have been redeemed in Christ. And it becomes the theme of this wonderful text that we're going to look at here in Ephesians chapter number 1. And really, I really want us to draw our attention to that word redeemed, that you have been redeemed in Christ. It's a, it's a familiar word in our society, but with an unfamiliar meaning until we look at the word of God and see how God applies that word of redemption to our life. So let's take notice here, uh, Ephesians chapter number one, and we're going to start here in verse number seven. And I want you to see what it says here. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. How do you think that God sees you right now? Is he angry? Is he sad? Does he care? Is he happy? Is he passive? You see, how we view God, the way scripture reveals him, speaks volumes of how we live in Christ in this present world. You see, if we don't get an accurate view of who God is from scripture, from the truth that is being mounted up, and we don't believe that, then we live in this life a very defeated, a very poor, a very uh, weak Christian life. Because we do not believe who God says that we are. And God tells us in his word, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. You see, these two words here, notice what he says. It says, in him we have redemption. And he says, then through his blood we have the forgiveness of our trespasses. These two words are so important for the child of God because it speaks to us of how God sees us. God sees us as redeemed and God sees us as forgiven. Not just redeemed, not just forgiven, but redeemed and forgiven. These two go hand in hand. 
This is Christianity 101. This is the basics. This is the fact that God sees us as redeemed and he sees us as forgiven. So let's break this down so we can see who we are. So in him we have redemption and through him we have redemption. Let's define redemption here just for a moment. Let me give you a good theological definition of redemption. Redemption is an act of God by which he himself pays as a ransom the price for sin which has outraged his holiness. Let me give it to you again. Redemption is an act of God by which he himself pays as a ransom the price of human sin which has outraged his holiness. This is redemption. The specific word here that Paul is using is a reference to buying somebody. Back in the days of Paul, there would be slaves that uh, people could purchase. Now, God's word never uh, says that slavery is okay, okay? But during that culture, there was slavery, and people could buy slaves for hire. They could, they could purchase them. And every once in a while, maybe there might be a slave that a person, it could have been a family member, it could have been somebody that they really cared about a lot, they could actually purchase that slave and purchase their freedom. And so they would go to the person who owned the slave and they'd say, I'll give you X amount of dollars for this person. And they could purchase them and that person then could be redeemed, they could be bought. And then that person could let them go. Let me give you a good illustration of this. Uh, Adrian, can I borrow you just for a second? Okay, all right. Adrian's a nice young man around here. Come on up here, Adrian. Now, let's just say Adrian here, just for a moment, was a slave, okay? Do you have to do chores at home? Okay, all right. That's not slavery, is it? No, okay, good. All right. So, Adrian here, let's just say he was a slave, and he's going to be auctioned off. Who will give me a dollar for him? Okay, there's a dollar. How about two dollars? Two, three. Do I hear three? Four. Four dollars? Ten dollars. Boy, you're getting, you're worth a lot already. Anybody else? Ten? Twenty. Oh, man. So we're going to auction you off. And whatever they think that you are worth, that's what they're willing to pay. But the price wasn't $1, $2, $3, $4, $5 for our salvation. The price for our salvation was death. That's what his price is. Who is willing to die for Adrian? God's word tells us in Romans chapter 5, it says, for scarcely for a righteous man would one even dare to die. Yet even for a good man, some wouldn't even really consider it. But it tells us, but God commends his love towards us. He proved his love toward us in that while we were yet a sinner, Christ died for us. He purchased our redemption. Thank you, Adrian. You can sit down. So God's word's very clear here, telling us that in him, in Christ, we have been redeemed. Should that not make you feel like you have value and worth? that you are special to God, that you have been redeemed. 
God's word tells us here that this redemption is the deliverance by the payment of a price. And that price for us was sin. Listen to what John at 8.34 says. It says, men are slaves to sin. In Romans 6.17, it says that men are servants to sin. In Romans 7.14, it tells us that we are sold under sin. In Romans 8.21, it says that we are in bondage to corruption. So who then or what is the captor of men? It's sin. And Jesus seeing our sin, God seeing our sin, he sent his son Jesus to die for our sin and purchase our redemption so that we can be set free from that sin. So here just in Ephesians alone, I want you to look at just a few things here, what Ephesians says about this. Look at Ephesians chapter two, verse number one. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Ephesians chapter number two, verse number two, it says, in which time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan. The spirit that works in the children of disobedience. So we're dead in trespasses and sins. And not only that, but we're followers and worshipers of Satan. That's how God found us. We're guided by the lust of the flesh, the desires of the mind, the flesh, and are by nature the children of wrath. So really, we're not that great of a group of people, are we? Look at Ephesians 4, 17. It tells us this. It says that we are the ones who walk in the vanity of our minds. Ephesians 4.18 says, having the understanding dark and alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, past feeling, given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. That's us. That's who we are. Before Christ purchased our redemption, that's who we are. We're ignorant, we're alienated, we're darkened, we're vain, we're strangers, we have no hope. Without God, we're evil. We follow Satan. That's us. What a nice bunch of people, right? That's how God found us. That's how God has redeemed us. He's purchased us. He paid the ultimate price. So sin is the captor that holds us, but sin demands that price to be paid. And what is that? Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is what? Death. And that's where it comes in here. Look what he says. It says, in him we have redemption through what? His teachings? His love? His miracles? Through his blood. There was a death. Hebrews 9.22 tells us, it says, without the shedding of blood, which is simply a term for death, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of what? sin. So the soul that sins, the Bible tells us, it shall die. And Jesus had to pay our penalty. He had to take the price of our redemption and he had to die. So the wages of sin is death, but Jesus redeemed us. What does that mean? It means that he paid the price of sin to free the slaves to set him free. So if you know Christ as your Savior, there was a time in your life when you repented of your sin and you received Christ. The Bible says that you are redeemed. 
that you are no longer in bondage to sin. We have been set free. He's paid the price. But look at this. Not only redemption, but look, he says, but forgiveness. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. So to be redeemed is one thing, but to be forgiven is really something because we have forgiveness because of his redemption through his blood. What is forgiveness? The word Paul is using here means to send away, never to return. Our sins then have been sent away, never to return. Isn't that incredible? When we come to God and it seems, all of us have these periods of, in our life where it seems like we're, we're going through some difficult things and, and we go to God and we, we start confessing sins that already have been forgiven. And God's probably going, what sin? What sin? What sin are you talking about? I don't know that. I don't know what you're talking about. It's been forgiven. It's all under this blood what he says in Psalms 103 verse number 12 he says as far as the east is from the west so far hath he removed our transgressions from us you can get in a car and you can drive east and east and east and east and east and never reach the end and then you can go west and west and west and west and west and you can never reach the end that's how far God says he's removed our sin from him Isaiah 44, 22 says, I have wiped out your transgressions like a thick cloud and your sins like a heavy mist. Return to me for I have redeemed you. So see, in redemption is forgiveness. It's wiped out, it's forgiven, it's removed, it's taken away. And the Bible tells us that this is a spiritual blessing. This is truth that has been heaped upon us. And he says, you are redeemed and you are forgiven. Micah 7, 18 through 19 tells us, who is, who is a God like you who pardons iniquity and passes over the rebellious act of the remnant of his possession? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in unchanging love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all your sins into the depths of the sea. Listen to that. He will cast all your sins into the depths of the sea. Do you believe that? But yet we still live so un... We live these defeated, weak Christian lives. Why? Because we don't take God at his word. We don't believe him. God speaks truth, and he says, this is truth, this is truth, this is truth. And we say, no, God, I have a better understanding of what it means to be forgiven and to be redeemed than you do. All of this happened, the Bible tells us, before the foundation of the world in Ephesians chapter 1. So if you know Christ, that means God accepts you. And we have been redeemed, we have been forgiven. And this brings us here to this second point. I want you to notice this. Because of this redemption, because of this forgiveness, he has lavished us in grace. I love this. Listen to this. According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. 
This word lavish, it's, it's extravagant, it's plentiful, it's over the top. And so now when the Bible is talking about forgiveness, it's saying that his grace in forgiveness has been lavished upon you. Let me give you another good illustration of this. Uh, hey, Megan, can I borrow you? Come on up. Now, uh, I think it was back in November. I think we had, were you over here when we had our pie praise? Okay, yeah, all right. So we had a pie prayer praise night, and we had pie, and I saw that Megan had pie. And you know one of the things that Megan put on her pie? What was it? Whipped cream. Whipped cream, that's right. So hold this. Do you like whipped cream? Okay, I figured you did. So what I did, Megan, is, is I got you a bottle of whipped cream, okay? Now, how much whipped cream do you want? Is that good? If you, have, if you could only have that on your pie, would you want more than that? Yes. You would. Okay, how about this? You want more? Is that enough? Yeah, but I don't think you need, I think you need way more than that. I mean, you really need a lot of whipped cream here. I mean, I want to make sure that you have as enough whipped cream as you could possibly ever, ever imagine that you could ever have. Oh, I'm out. Hold on, just a sec. You need more, more whipped cream. You need lots and lots and lots of whipped cream. Do you get the picture? God says that he is lavishly, lavishly, lavishly poured out his grace in our lives. The forgiveness of sin. He has given it to us. He's poured it out, poured it out, poured it out. And he's giving it to us. Thank you, I can take that. You want this to take home? No, okay, all right. So you can have a seat. Thank you, Megan. So God has given this grace and it's been poured out to us lavishly. He's given it to us. Now I love this. I love this. Notice what the text says. It says, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavishly, which he lavished upon us, notice this, in all wisdom and insight. When I asked Megan, is that enough? She said, yeah, that's enough. But I said, no, let's give you more, let's give you more, let's give you more, let's give you more. In our lives, in God's wisdom and his insight, he has lavished us with his grace. Meaning the fact, sometimes we think that God is disappointed in us or frustrated with us, when we fail. God does not regret saving you. He does not. And he gave us grace in his wisdom and his insight. You see, God is not watching where you are now, watching how you struggled this week, watching how you stumbled and fall, and regretting the decision to pay the price for you in full. You have, listen to this, this is so important. This is truth speaking to you from God. You have no sin 
past, present, and future that has more power than the cross of Jesus Christ. None. Because his grace has been lavishly poured out on you. So this means that your salvation wasn't just a past event alone, but that Christ even now is continuing to save you. He didn't forgive your past sins, now leaving it up to you to try to conquer these present sins in your life. It's all been forgiven already, all of it. And the grace has been lavished upon you. That is the grace with which God has lavished on us in his forgiveness. Now, I like this, in all wisdom and insight. Think about that. For whatever the issue, the problem, the discomfort, the discouragement, the fallback, the mess up, the disaster, God's lavish grace is extended to you. He knows exactly how much you need. All of it, all of it, all of it. And he gives it to you. We don't know how much we need. Sometimes we go to God and we're like, God, I really need grace to help me in this issue. And God says, I've already given you as much as you need. I'm I'm just pouring it on. And we're just like, okay, so I have grace. And this is, I think, where we fail to understand this. What is grace? What is it? Is it just some mysterious ingredient, some spiritual word that we kind of throw around and we say, oh yeah, I need God's grace. Is it some word that's been neatly crocheted on grandma's quilt that lays on your bed somewhere? What is grace? I want you to give you a few verses here. John chapter one, verses 14, 16 through 17 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This is Jesus we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Titus chapter two, verses 11 through 13 says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. Romans 5, verse 15 says, but the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Grace is Jesus Christ. Do you have Jesus? Then you have all of the grace that you will ever need in your entire life. No matter the issue, no matter the problem, no matter the setback, no matter the faults, everything has been given to you lavishly, lavishly, extravagantly, over the top, been given to you in Jesus Christ. And you have him, so you have grace. Christ has given to us that. That is truth from God's word. Who are you? I am full of the grace of God that's been lavishly given towards me. I'm redeemed. I am forgiven. 
Here's the last thing I want to show you here. We now have purpose. Look at verse number nine. It says, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. I have purpose now. You see, is that not the basic desire of mankind to know our purpose, to know why we are here, to know what is going on, to have purpose in our life? You see, redemption in Christ has brought a plan and a purpose to our lives because we now know the mystery of his will. If you look throughout God's word, this, this thing often pops up, this mystery of God, mystery of God's will, mystery. But look what he says, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. What is this mystery of his will? Well, if you just look in the context of what we're talking about here in Ephesians chapter 1, what is it? Redemption in Christ. This has been the mystery of God that has been unfolded for us. Back in the Old Testament, God was speaking through uh, prophets and he's speaking through the law. And what were they pointing to? Towards Christ, towards Christ, towards Christ. All the sacrifices pointing towards Christ, pointing towards Christ. In the book of Hebrews, it tells us that the, sh the law was a shadow of the things to come. God was revealing himself. There was an unfolding drama of redemption from Genesis 1-1 all the way through. God is revealing himself, and this is a mystery of his will. And he makes it known to us about redemption. You say, how does that do with my purpose then? Well, if we know his mystery of his will, and the mystery of his will is redemption then his plan is the fact that Christ is going to be redeeming those who believe for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. And what is all this? The purpose then. The purpose for me, the purpose for you, for us that are redeemed in Christ is to reveal the mystery of redemption, salvation through Christ. That's our purpose. That's the purpose of this church is to reveal the mystery of redemption. Because we have grace. We've been redeemed. It's been lavishly poured upon us. And we are to be sharing that. We are to be proclaiming his mystery of his will. Redemption through Christ. So what about you? Who are you? Are you what people say that you are? Or do you believe the truth of God's word and what he says about you? Do you believe it to be true? If you don't know Christ, if you don't know the Lord, he died for you. He purchased your sin. He was put on a cross. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was scourged. He was laughed at. And he paid the ultimate price for your sin so that you might be redeemed. He died. He was buried third day he rose again proving that he was God proving that he has power on earth to forgive sins power on earth to bring redemption and forgiveness to give you grace that you need for your life let's pray together